Welcome to Momentum Church. It is cold. And here's the thing about it. I didn't move to Georgia from Ohio for weather like this. I, I didn't. And if it keeps it up, I'm going back. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. So, ah, uh, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I have been coughing for a couple weeks. I feel great this week. I don't think I'm going to have to take breaks like the last couple weeks with coughing and all those things. But for some reason, my voice sounds like this. And I got to thinking, I, I, I'm going to preach you a gospel. You can't refuse. If you do, I'm going to put a horse head in your bed. No, 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 no. It'll be a fish. We'll like redeem it. It'll be a fish, you know. But I was coming down the hall in the first service, and Danny, um, um, our, our, our Danny Kennedy, um, he says to me, he's like, you sound like Joe Cocker. I was like, you are so beautiful to me. Oh, can't you see? Yeah. So that's how I, man, you don't, it's crazy, but it's going to be all right. Everybody that's new here is like, this guy has lost his mind. No, it's just a little ADHD break. It's okay. All right. So I want to get into the second week of the soundtrack series. And this is a series that looks at the negative playlist, those broken soundtracks, those things in our life that try to occupy our minds. And last week, I challenged you all, and I have heard from so many this week, that they had done the homework. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I hope you did the homework. And if you're a guest, this is what it was. On Monday, I asked you to take and write down the three loudest soundtracks in your life. Those three loudest things that just come to you that are just negative, that just take, steal, rob from you. And then I wanted you to write those things down on paper and take some time with the Lord and ask God what would he say about those things. What does the word say about those things? And then write that down. And this week, I told you, how many of you have a coin? Did you guys do that this week, some of you? Yeah, yeah. I, I said, keep a coin in your pocket. And when you begin to have that negative, broken soundtrack begin to come over your heart and mind, reach in and flip that coin as a reminder. I'm going to flip the track. I'm going to flip this track, this soundtrack, and begin to think what God would have me to think concerning my life and what God is doing right now. Amen? So I don't know if y'all did that or not. I hope you did. And the reason why is because when it comes to those things, if you listen to any thought long enough, it becomes a part of your playlist. If you listen to any thought, if you just keep it before you. And the thing about thoughts, your thoughts empower your actions. You never do a thing unless you think about it first, right? And so your thoughts empower your actions. Your actions bring about the results in your life, the outcomes. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it starts back with, everybody say, your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And so in the New Testament, Paul, writing to the church of Rome, he really wanted people to take responsibility for their thoughts. And I love this. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, and you know how we love here at Momentum, we like to stand and honor God's word. So that first time we read scripture, we just stand to honor God's word. So if you would, stand to your feet. This passage gives us some responsibility. It says, do not be conformed to this world. 
I mean, the idea of how this world thinks and operates, whether that's in sin or doubt or disbelief, do not be conformed to this world. Okay, well, how not? How, what am I going to do? I'm going to be, it says, but be transformed. Oh, that's good. I love transformation. I like the transformation that happens when you go from light or darkness to light. You know, the Bible talks about being translated into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom. I love that. How many were lost and now they're found? Yeah. Woo, yeah. I love that. But how many know when you're lost and you're found, there's a translation that takes place, but maybe not yet a full transformation that has taken place. That takes time. And so this word from Paul, from the Lord, isn't speaking to people that aren't believers. He's talking to those that have went from darkness to light, you know, from, from sin to salvation. He's talking to the church, and he's saying, you still have another responsibility to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as I renew my mind, it's to line it up with these things that I might be able and that you may be able to prove what is good acceptable and perfect concerning the will of God. And so what this passage is challenging us to do is to take proactive steps in regards to ordering our thoughts, all right? And so I want to give you some tools today to do that. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word. It brings life. It brings development. It, you change us as we apply your word to our lives. And we just ask today that you would visit with us and Lord, I would even ask today, let this throat, this voice, make it to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have your seats. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> when it comes to those broken soundtracks, the negative stories that you tell yourself about yourself and about your world, the thing that's wild about those things is they automatically come. Like, they come without invitation. You know, it's so easy for negativity to rise up, right? And it just comes, as I said, without invitation. That's why whenever we talk about describing like, like our thoughts, it's almost like they're outside of ourselves. They operate on their own agenda. We'll say things like this. You've heard this. You will say things like, I just got lost in my thoughts, right? I do that a lot. I, 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 my thoughts just got away from me. Yeah, like this week, my thoughts got away from me. Went through a little thing, and I'm like, oh, Lord, everything's going to fall apart. You know, it didn't, but that's how my brain went, you know. Our minds are that way. Uh, you get carried away. I just got carried away by my thoughts. And next thing you know, you're making decisions, and those actions are following the thoughts. And so we've got to take care of those thoughts. Even if we are very deliberate in other areas of our life, what happens, we tend to treat our thought life as something we have no control over. And it's just absolutely not true. God gives us control, but it's a choice. It's a responsibility that we would say to ourselves, I will be transformed. I will do the work that it takes to have my mind renewed, that I might be able to prove what God has for me, that I might be able to prove what is good, what is acceptable. I might be able to prove the will of God. How many know, every one of you in this room, God has a purpose for you. I'm telling you, God has things that he wants you to possess. He has things that he wants you to walk in. He has promises. Shout promises. All right. He has promises that he wants you to obtain. Amen. But the enemy of our heart would love for us to miss out on God's best 
And he can't do that just in the physical realm. He has to start somewhere. I hate to say it this way, but kind of metaphysical. And he starts up in our thinking. Amen. And he gets us to rob ourselves because we will not change and take responsibility to renew our minds so that it lines up with the expectation of God's word. And I want to just challenge us to, to be responsible in this area. You know, it's hard because of that negative slant that our minds go toward. But I want you to know at this, listen, if you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. Amen. And I don't know why, even though God has all these promises and everything he wants for us, I don't know why it is, but I think for many of us in our minds, we possess a default towards defeat. It's just like a, an expectation that things ain't ever going to change. Like an expectation that I can't instead of I can't. You know, an expectation, there's a default towards defeat. And I do want you to be a participant in this. If that's something that you've ever struggled with, hold up your hand. Amen. That's a big victory right now. Look at all these people. That's a huge victory right now just to say that. Amen. And, and <laughs> excuse me, I love what John Acuff said. He wrote a book called Soundtrack. And, and what he said is this, if you can worry, you can wonder. Sound good? I wish I was the smartest John, right? That's good. I love this even better. If you can doubt, you can dominate. It's the same mind that focuses on those thoughts of doubt and worry as the mind that focuses on the thoughts of domination, amen, of, of wonder. Like, what could you possibly do in my life, Jesus? But you don't want to rob and steal that, the enemy of your heart. This goes all the way back to the garden, people. It's the way our, we're made, and the enemy of our heart knows it. And so he tries to use this powerful thing that God created, our brain, our mind. He tries to use it against us. Oh, who does God think he is, he says to Adam and Eve. You know, the day you eat that bread, you'll be just like him. You know, what's he doing? He's trying to get them to buy in to this lie, to hold on to it as their own so that they will end up walking in. That's the action that brings about the outcome. They'll walk in lack and less. And they lost paradise over it. Jesus, we have a new Adam, amen? The scripture teaches us in the New Testament that Jesus comes as a second Adam. And he restores the opportunity to possess what God desires for us to walk in. Amen. But guess who still wants to rob us of that? The enemy. And the best way to do it is in our thinking. And so what I want to do today, I, I want us to flip the track on the droning of defeat. Just that droning of defeat that just goes on in your mind. That negative playlist. I want to flip the track on the droning of defeat. And I want to replace it with a song of triumph. Amen. I wish I could have shouted that really loud. A song of triumph. I can't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my voice. Got to stop trying. Right? But that's what everybody say, flip it. Flip it. Say it again. Say flip it. flip it. Yeah, God has things he desires for you to possess. He has promises that are laid up for you. And we can see this in the Old Testament. As God had plans and purposes for the nation of Israel to walk in. This is a familiar story to some of you. Some of it may be new. That's okay. But the Israelites, they spent 400 years, the Jewish people, in bondage to Egypt. And God sets them free. He delivers them from the hand of the Pharaoh, and he sends them with a promise that you're going to inherit this king and this promised land. I'm giving it to you. 
And so all these Jewish people begin to head their way across the deserts on their way to the promised land. They get near, and Moses decides to send out 10 spies to examine this land. And so that's where we catch up in Scripture, Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were the heads of the house of Israel. In the first service, I stopped right there. And I had told Brantley before service, I am not going to stop a lot and exegete little bits of scripture. I'm going to do big blocks. And he goes, well, if you can preach under 40 minutes, I'll buy you coffee this week. <laughs> and first service, I get to this point, and I'm just like, oh, there's something good in here I just saw. So I didn't get my coffee. But almost, 41 minutes. You guys ready? 40 more minutes. No, 30 more minutes. That's all we got. So here's what the Lord showed me. It was a man from every tribe, a chief from every tribe. In a sense, it was the representative of every tribe of Israel. God wasn't going to let one of them miss out on the promise that he has for them. And I'm telling you right now, that's his purpose for you. There's not one person in this room that God desires for you to miss out on his best. There's not one person that God desires for you to miss out on his promise, that hope, that thing that he has for you. Amen? Maybe it's deliverance. Maybe it's victory. I don't know what it is, but there's not one person. And now that promise, the truth of it is the same, that he is not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. Now, the actual intent of the promise may look different. Amen? Every single one of us are individuals, and God speaks to us individually. But the idea that God speaks something for us to walk in, but that walking into it, I guarantee you every time, begins with a transformation of your mind. It begins with the renewing of your thoughts. And if the enemy can get into our heads, and we allow him to cause us to play that soundtrack over and over and over, we will miss out on God's best. Amen? So God wants it for all of us. Watch what happens in Numbers 13, 17. Moses sent them, the 12, he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said, go up into the Negev, that's like the desert, and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. And I love this, you know, it's kind of like a, it could be okay, it could not be okay, go check it out. But then it says, be of good courage, <laughs> bring some of the fruit of the land. It was the time when the season of the first ripe grapes was taking place. And so these 12 go into the, <clears throat> the, the Canaan land to bring back a report. And we're going to see in this story how 10 of them, they allowed their brains to be able to be moved into negativity, to be able to be moved away from the promise of God, and they missed it. And two of them, they lined their thoughts up with what God was telling them, and they possessed what God told them they would possess. See, your brain builds on our, our mind's habit of negativity by doing three things, okay? So don't miss that. Our, our, our brains build on this brain of our, our mind's habit of negativity by doing one of three things. So the first one is this, your brain lies about your memories. Your brain 
lies about your memories. We're talking about defeat and triumph here. I wish our brains were like a GoPro. You know, GoPros are awesome. How many watch those like YouTube clips? I know you do. And like little short things. And, and I love the guys in the flying suits. And they got the GoPro on. And I'm just watching like, this isn't going to go well. And it doesn't. And it's awesome. Not for me. I mean, like, that means, uh, like not for them. But, but it just blows my mind. But here's the thing. That GoPro captures a representation of everything it sees accurately. Your mind does not. Our minds lie to us about memories. We often think our mind is like that GoPro, but our minds will speak into our thinking and our thoughts and we'll perceive things that have never really happened at all. And it robs us. In Numbers 13, 25 through 29, at the end of the 40 days, the spies returned from the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and he showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. I love that. They're seeing the good, and it's fruit. Oh, my. However, the people. Everybody say, however. Here comes that doubt. Here comes that memory that's lying to them. However, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're large. And Besides, we saw the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. They begin in that moment to talk themselves out of the promise of God. Now, I'm not saying it was wrong for them to be realist, you know. But you don't hear one word, and we'll see here in a moment how their actions follow their thinking. You don't hear one word of hope from them, one word of faith. One word is, man, this place, there's strongholds. There's people that are big. They're going to hurt us. But you know what? I believe God is on our side. If God said it, he will finish it. You know, there's nothing like that. So their thoughts are going along the line of defeat, the drone of defeat. I can almost imagine those lies. I can almost imagine on the way back to give their reports, they're carrying fruit. I mean, there's all this wonderful stuff, but on the way back, I could just see them just belly aching with each other. What does Moses think we're going to do? They think we can go in there and conquer them? I'll tell you. And they're talking themselves out of the God's miracle all the way back to give the report. And so that's the first thing. When it comes to our brains, they lie about memories, Okay. Along the lines of that, the second thing, your brain confuses fake trauma with real trauma. All right? Now, I don't want to minimize trauma. There are people in this room that you've had real trauma. All right? But there's others in this room that as you play back in your mind the injustice done against you, you play it out worse than it really is. Or you give it more merit or more power in your life than it really is. Now, when it comes to trauma, especially caused by others, I believe your pastor believes in boundaries. Amen? There's nothing wrong with giving somebody forgiveness, and you just can stay over there. Amen? I know that sounds cold-hearted. I'm just saying, nothing wrong with boundaries. Why? Because you may change, but they may not. Right? But continuing to play that injustice in your mind, it becomes a trauma that, yes, is real, but there's parts of it that shouldn't have a hold of you anymore, or you should be able to get through it. Sometimes you need counseling to get through it. Sometimes you need, and I'm a big encourager on small groups. 
We're launching them again today. Man, I, just this week, there was something that happened that I thought I was going to lose my mind. And it was so good to be with my small group on Thursday morning. Because they're like, yes, you're not going to lose your mind. You got this. It's going to be all right. But I needed that. I needed that. It helped me to know what the right memory is as I bring it back. To know what real trauma is and what fake trauma is in the middle of it. it was, I was blown out of proportion, right? Here's the thing about trauma, though. When faced with fake trauma, let's call it rejection. When faced with fake rejection, your body releases real chemicals. It does. Our minds, our memories lie within our brain. Our brain has a hard time telling the difference between real and fake. And it doesn't matter. When we go through those things, our brains release real chemicals. And, and that's why we can talk ourselves into fight. Because the, 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 the endorphins are dropping. The chemicals are dropping. Or we can talk ourselves into flight. And maybe it's God telling you, stand. Amen. Not fight or flight, just stand and let me see the salvation of the Lord in this moment. But our brains drop real chemicals. That's what happens. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so um, sometimes you've been done wrong by someone. And so in the brain, those chemicals come. And that idea of fight and flight, you become guarded with everyone. Do you see how the enemy can use that? Somebody did you wrong and now you're guarded with everyone. Maybe your last job, you were held back, and now you carry a chip on your shoulder. And it just you just aren't authentic in any relationship at work because you've got this chip on your shoulder. You're just afraid who's going to get the next promotion over you, who's going to treat you this way. And next thing you know, it just starts to ruin relationships. Why? Because that trauma, we confuse fake trauma with real trauma, and those chemicals drop, and we try to protect ourselves. Um, um, every social event you go to, you just can't feel like yourself unless you're a few drinks in. And I'm not here preaching against alcohol. I'm here preaching against that you can't be yourself unless you're a few drinks in. What is that? That's a mind that's experienced a moment and is remembering it poorly and is talking yourself into the fact, I can't be me without a few drinks. The chemicals are real. Your mind is telling you, you need a drop of dopamine before you can be somebody that can enjoy this party. The chemicals are real. I'm not lying. Those are real. But the whole process is a setup to rob you from God's best and to cause you to fall into a place of dependency on a substance that you don't need to be dependent upon. Amen? Do you see how the enemy works and uses this? Numbers 13, 30 through 32. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up. You had two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, that believed and had a good report. And he says, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. He flipped the track. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than us. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are a great height. And we even saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. The, the Nephilim were like the, the giants of the time. Did they see the inhabitants devouring others? No. They, they were there in the land, 
but they're perceiving a memory that doesn't exist. Number one, the brain creates these lies in regards to our memory. Number two, they're speaking of proposed defeat before they even get started. They're already embracing trauma of defeat before it even is a reality. And now comes the third member of the negative thinking trifecta, okay? Your brain believes what it believes. I'm gonna slow that down, say it one more time. Your brain believes what it believes. What's that called is confirmation bias. How many's heard of confirmation bias? Yeah, so confirmation bias is people's tendency to process information by looking for or interpreting information that is consistent with their existing beliefs. This is the reason why you feel so good when you're on Facebook. Because Facebook algorithms are designed to play to your confirmation bias. If you go on my Facebook, it's going to be a ton of stuff about ultra you know, running and such. It's going to be tons of stuff about hiking and camping. Why? That's the stuff I like. So on my Facebook, everybody in the world's excited about camping and backpacking and ultra running. But guess what? When I start talking about that to people, their eyes glaze over. It's just on my website, on my Facebook, it looks like that. And guess what? That happens with your politics. It happens with your faith. It happens with your, your um, hobbies and desires. I mean, it's just how it works, right? It is designed because it keeps you coming back. That's how our brains are. That confirmation. We just, we accept the evidence that we see and we, we, we embrace it as fact when it bolsters what we already think. And it keeps us coming back for more. It keeps us coming back for more. Mm. The problem with confirmation bias is it affects your expectations and your abilities to predict what's coming next. You're going to have an expectation in line with those thoughts. And if those thoughts are negative and less than what God would have for you, that's where your expectations and predictions will lie. I know this is going to happen in my life. I ain't ever going to get anything. I'm never going to be able to find another small group that was like the small group I had 10 years ago. It's never been that way again, you know. Well, yeah, if that's your confirmation bias. You're going to find those, those, um, um, those markers of evidence for that, you know. See? It goes on, it says in Numbers 14, 1 through 4, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Why? That bias, that inability to predict anything apart from their already known beliefs. We're going to be devoured by these people. You can see that, you know. Uh, you know I don't know if I, did I, I don't think I finished that in the last passage. He, they said this, they said, and there we saw those Nephilim, the sons of Am An Anak, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. Was it true? No. Confirmation bias. We seem ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem. We were seen by them. That's how they seen, seen us. Right? So because of that, they have this prediction and this expectation of defeat. They go to the default of defeat, droning on and on. And it gets them to the place where the whole congregation is crying. They're weeping all night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. We had rather have died 
in our land of slavery? Or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to slavery, back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. <clears throat> that idea of choosing a leader, you're always trying to find a leader that will take you to your goals. And their goals are to run from the fight. Their goals are to run away. And they're not going to walk in God's best. Trying to find somebody that will help bolster your opinion, your thoughts, that's called an ally, right? It's an ally. We need allies. And God has created us in such a way that we have an ally in the fight. And it's our own brain. It's our own minds, like the physical mind. And I love this. How many has ever heard of the term neuroplasticity? All right, everybody say it. Say neuroplasticity. Oh, you sound so smart. And all that is, it's the power to literally physically change our brain. I mean, the structure of our brain by changing our thoughts. It blows my mind. It makes sense why the enemy of our heart would bring doubt and fear and try to cause us to, in this place, this mind of ours, to think less than what God is calling us to, to think less of his word, to think less of, of, of God's purpose, to think less of God's church, if you will, his house, to think less of spiritual Christian relationships. The enemy would love because thoughts bring forth actions and actions bring forth outcome. But a lot of the way it works is it's literally shaping us. If you missed a series a couple years ago, we're going to link this to the bottom of our notes today. And so if you're new to us, if you go to mymomentumchurch.tv, mymomentumchurch.tv, you'll see today's notes. You can click on it. At the bottom, we're going to put a link on there for a series, a whole series I did called Mastermind. And I deal with a lot more about neuroplasticity in that series. But what you need to understand, basically, is that you have neuropathways. And when you do actions, it widens those pathways and it reinforces that action to be repeated because the pathway is wide. And it can be that way with negative thoughts or positive thoughts. And the thing about it is, as you start to make that pathway wide, it is so easy to go down the pathway again and again and again. They call it neuroplasticity because they're saying the brain is like plastic. It's malleable. It changes. It's not set. Aren't you glad it's not set? If you got teenagers here, aren't you glad it's not set? Amen. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's malleable. It, it shapes. And so what I love is that science finally got caught up to theology. That's all it is. It, it may sound like, what's that have to do with the Word of God? It's all through Scripture. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, we learned last week. You know? All through Scripture, Paul's saying 2,000 years ago, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 3,200 years ago, we're hearing the whole thought of as you think you are, you know. It's just taking a long time for science to catch up. So we need to fill our brains with new soundtracks instead of the broken ones. Literally, when it comes to this idea of responsibility with your mind and your thought life, your brain is waiting for you each day. Your brain is waiting for you to tell it what to think, amen? It's waiting to see what kind of soundtrack you're going to choose. It's waiting to see if you really want to possess a different life. It starts in the mind. That's why the scripture tells us we're renewed. We're transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And it's not just being all willy-nilly with whatever positive affirmation you want to make. Amen? It's getting in the presence of God, hearing his voice over your life. Begin to speak his word, his written word, but also what he's beginning to speak into your life. Amen? We can continue on. I have a lot of scripture. I'm just telling you this story today. Numbers 14, verse 5 through 10. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. I mean, it's breaking their heart. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. These are people of faith. We've heard what God has said, but these people don't want to walk into it. And it's breaking their hearts. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and he'll give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I mean, what a word of affirmation. They're flipping the track right now. They're going back to the promise. They already heard Moses say that God said, I'm giving you this land. This is for you as an inheritance. This has already been spoken. And this goes far back all the way to Abraham. When Abraham was in Ur the Chaldees between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And God told him, I'm taking you to a place that you do not know. I mean, so many years before this. 1,500 years before this. And now here they are. <clears throat> or not 1,500 years before that. I'm sorry. That's about 600 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... From now on, I was trying to say, all I'm getting at is, they, here's what happens. They're ready to speak faith. They're ready to flip the track. Verse 10, then all the congregation said, stone them with stones. is that sad? I love this though. God comes to encourage. It says, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people. God's presence starts to show up in that moment. You jump down to verse 24, but my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit. That's what we want. We want to have a different spirit. And has followed me fully, I will bring into the land in which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. So you have Joshua and Caleb. They have a different kind of spirit. They're ready to embrace, even though they see the same thing, they're not believing the lie. Even though they're seeing the same thing, they're not creating a trauma within themselves that hasn't even happened yet. Even though they see the same thing, they're not allowing themselves to believe anything different than the word they heard that God is giving us this land. And it wasn't just a word to Moses. This came down from great, 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 great Paul, Abraham, all those years before. We've been waiting for this day to have this land. Amen? And so there's three actions we looked at last week, and I'm just going to use those real quick in light of today. As we flip the track on the droning of defeat and we replace it with the song of triumph. Last week we learned, number one, retire your soundtrack, that broken soundtrack. We see in Numbers 13, 33, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seem to them. That's that broken soundtrack. It goes on, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our kids are going to be prey. It would be better to go back to Egypt. Can you, that's, that's that broken soundtrack. And I picture them, like I said, leaving the place of promise to go back to give the report. And they're already with grapes in hand, like 
already seen the positive. But all they can dwell on on their walk back is, man, those are some big old people. They're going to tear us up. We ain't going to be able to do this. And they're talking themselves out of what they've already seen God tell them they're going to possess. <clears throat> and so they're just like, let's just choose another leader. Let's just go back to Egypt. In other words, let's align our actions with our beliefs. Belief, action follows belief, outcome follows action. And that works in the positive or the negative. You understand that? That works in the positive or the negative. <clears throat> so retire your broken soundtracks. And I told you last week, replacing your soundtrack is about identifying what soundtracks you've been listening to and then owning the responsibility of changing what you're listening to. And so number two, you've got to replace the new with new soundtracks. Numbers 1330, I think, gives us a good replacement. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome. Yeah. yeah. And every one of us in here, that idea of a negative mindset, every one of us in here has a propensity toward that. Some of our family lives have actually made that bolstered and stronger. You know, I come from a people that are kind of morose. You know, I would call my papa, Wiseman. How are you doing? And he'd be like, oh, Rossi. I'm not doing so good. I got colon cancer. Paul Paul had colon cancer for 30 years. He didn't. He didn't. But to him, he knew he was dying of colon cancer. He smoked since he was 12. And now he's in the rest home. Rossi, they won't let me smoke. He's like, I'm like, Papa, I was told you get a cigarette, you get two cigarettes at eight. Two at 10, two at 12, two at two, two at four, two at six, two at eight. Well, yeah, but it's not like I used to smoke. Ah, <laughs> you know. oh, I feel awful, old Rossi. I'm dying of cancer. Every time I talk to him, I know I'm dying. I know I'm dying for 30, 40 years. And guess what? He smoked from 12, he died at 96 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Oy vey, is that awesome? But it's just where his mind was. He was, he was always looking for the next thing that's going to be bad, you know. It was just kind of morose, and it's easy for me to have a negative spirit. i got to watch that. And Paul Paul, he, he, he um, in his lazy boy, my dad and I went down to see him one time, and dad goes, before we open the door, let's just be sure he's awake, because you can see him in there. He's sleeping. He said, because dad has a gun, because he always knew something was going to happen. He's kind of a gangster, I guess. And, um, and so sure enough, you know, Pop, pop, you know, and Ricky, is that you? Yeah. Well, come on in. And just sitting right there is big old 357, you know, it's like, oh, my word. But he always knew the shoe was going to drop sometime. Somebody was going to come in there, you know. And, and I say protect yourselves. I believe it, okay. But it was just my, my Paul Paul's personality. And so his, his, always his negative thoughts led to the actions, you know, the belief-led actions and then outcome. And so... <clears throat> I love that idea that Caleb said, for we are well able to overcome. He replaced that broken soundtrack with a new one. And then the final thing we learned last week is just repeat that on automatic until it becomes yours, you know? I told you last week, a lie embraced as truth has the same power as if it was true. Amen? But guess what? A truth embraced, even if you're not seeing it yet, it carries great power too. 
We're not faking it till we're making it, remember? We are telling truth in advance. So what I want you to do this week, I want you to do this. This is awesome. Here's your homework. You ready? I want you to, again, those words of defeat that come to you, those specific words of defeat, I want you to write those down. And you're going to laugh at me. I want you to get a thesaurus. Okay? And I want you to take that thesaurus and look up the antonyms to those words. Whatever that is. I don't know what that word is. If that word is addiction, if that word is lust, if that word is, is poverty, if that word is anger, if that word is whatever. Look up the antonym. antonym and write that down. Now hold on. It gets better. And I want you to go to the website, like go to your, your computer, or if you have concordance, great. But if not, just go look online and get a Bible concordance and search that word that you just got all through Scripture. Whatever that is that God's showing you, you know, begin to search it through Scripture. Find out what God is saying over your life regarding that. Amen? That the source isn't going to change your life. Come on, somebody. But God's word will. So that's your assignment this week. All right. Write down those doubts, those fears, whatever it might be. If it's bitterness, whatever it might be, look, find the opposite of that word, and then go find out what the word of God says. And then begin to replace that with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for my friends. I ask, Lord, that you would bless them this week, Lord. Lord, we are well able to overcome. We just embrace your truth over our lives. And we thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.